is the WTF Bach Podcast. The podcast about Johann Sebastian Bach, brought to you by his prodigal son, WTF Bach. Join WTF Bach as he guides your mind through a contrapuntal journey. Why don't you let WTF Bach guide you? And now, here's WTF Bach. Hey, it's WTF Bach here, Evan Schinners. I'm traveling, hence not at my usual setup. You may hear the sound quality is a little different. I flew with a budget airline, so there was no way I was going to bring my podcasting mics with me. So if you want, if you can, do me a favor, drop me a quick message on my Instagram or at Bach at WTFBach.com and tell me, hey, the sound didn't bother me or hey, the sound was awful. I can't wait for your normal setup again. Since I'm away from the usual setup and just traveling with a small MIDI keyboard, I thought I would try something interesting for you today and speak a little bit about why. On this podcast, you often hear computers playing Bach. Why do I feature so many electronic renditions of Bach? Some of you love it, maybe some of you don't, but hopefully at the end of the day, all of you will be able to appreciate and to understand why I find that computers using MIDI can help us get deeper into Bach's music. What is MIDI? Anyhow, when I say a MIDI recording, What does that mean? M-I-D-I stands for Musical Input Digital Interface. I had always assumed it stood for something like Musical Information Digitally Input, but nope, it stands for Musical Input Digital Interface. Okay, but what is that? Well, we could think of it as the computer's ears, perhaps. The computer registers an event, a MIDI event, like a very simple ear. It hears three things in each event, the pitch, how long the pitch is, and how loud the pitch is. What I like about it is that it registers only those three things. Unless you add extra stuff to these MIDI events, a MIDI file does not contain such information as the tempo of the music or the instrumentation. In fact, many MIDI keyboards don't even allow for the telling of how loud the pitch is. It is simply playing or not playing. Therefore, many MIDI files often contain only the information to tell the computer what pitch to play and when to play it. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like Bach? Well, believe it or not, in fact, Bach's music, if you are ever able to crack open a score of some sheet music, usually contains no tempo markings, no dynamic markings, no articulation, no expression, usually no clues about how to play the piece. Of course, there is explicit instrumentation in Bach, and don't let anyone tell you that the Art of Fugue wasn't written for a specific instrument, because where were you all of season one of this podcast? But aside from the instrument on which the music is supposed to be played, usually Bach's music only contains the notes themselves. There was a quote attributed to Bach, which goes something like, there's nothing to it. All you have to do is hit the right notes at the right time and the instrument plays itself. And that's sort of as like MIDI. Let me try and explain how a computer reads MIDI information. There are grids that organize the MIDI events. And since the purpose is to read music, the grids are binary, divided into twos. Now, if you read or have ever tried to read music, you first learn that a whole note is divided into two half notes, a half into two quarters, quarters into eighths, etc., so that eventually something like 16 sixteenth notes fill one bar, one measure, same as four quarter notes or 128, 128 notes, on and on. Now, if you imagine a computer taking in the information on this grid at a consistent speed, moving from left to right, just as we read music, the computer thus also reads music. This is not a new idea, naturally, because perhaps those of you who know how early player pianos work, you've maybe seen this. Player pianos pass a scroll at a constant speed. The scrolls contain the same information, which notes, how long, how loud, and the mechanism reads the notes on a scroll in a similar way. In fact, those 
Play your piano scrolls, if you ever get your hands on one, even resemble the look of MIDI files on modern computers. Now, there are two ways of making a MIDI file. One would be, like the early player pianos, to play anything into the computer itself. This could be a MIDI violin, a MIDI drum, a MIDI keyboard that looks like a piano, though I myself have actually made entire albums using the keyboard on a computer. Hey, they don't call me a keyboard virtuoso for nothing. But you don't even need a MIDI instrument because the other way to make a MIDI file is to simply click the information into the pre-existing grids on the computer. Now, what is the difference? One is still a performance, the playing of the MIDI instrument but the other is not, it's simply inputting data. The performance will give us a slightly human feel. And even if you're the most mechanical of players, and this is actually quite a wild thing for a pianist to do, once you zoom in really finely on the MIDI information you've inputted from a performance, there will always be little variations in the lengths of the notes you play, variations in the length, in the loudness, in the touch, all things that make the performance seem, well, human. But if you click the notes, first you must click the note, and then you choose how long the note will be, and then you choose how loud the note will be. It's a multi-step process. It's not a performance at all. Now for this episode, I mostly want to talk about how we can learn from the MIDI file that's not a performance, as opposed to the one that is created somewhat live. It's possible to make MIDI files and electronic Bach music using MIDI in a way that sounds very convincingly human indeed. If you've ever heard Wendy Carlos's Switched on Bach, I don't think you need any convincing. Like I say for purposes of this episode, let's focus on the idea that the computer is playing only in the most cold and mechanical way, the notes on the page. And now we are asking, how on earth can we understand Bach better with something like that? Well, if we can understand that the page itself, the ink Bach put onto the page, is the blueprint for the idea that one must put into sound, then we can also imagine that the MIDI file is that blueprint put into sound by a computer. Musicians need to build Bach's blueprints to bring the sound to life. That was really difficult to say, bring Bach's blueprints to build Bach's blueprints to bring the sound to life. Okay, that's a tongue twister. Anyways, musicians are the ones who let us hear these ideas, but not all of us agree with the way that musicians build those plans. Even the greatest Bachians of all time. Sometimes we wish they had done something a little different. Sometimes we prefer a different tempo. There are even people who claim that no performance of Bach could ever be better than the idea of the composition itself. I will stay away from such abstract philosophical discussions, but what I can at least say is that there's always an interpretation of what on the page Bach wrote. But with MIDI, at least if we're talking about the MIDI created by data input, there is really no further interpretation. It's tabula rasa. We get to examine Bach's ideas without anybody else. And if you don't play an instrument, or if you don't know how to read music, this could be the way for you to get a first-hand experience with Bach. Of course, you'll have to choose what sound you want to hear and choose the speed at which you want to hear the music, but with the click of a button, you can change those things, choose a different sound or a different speed. I think it's time for some demonstrations. Here's me playing a line from a cantata live right now. I've just got the first volume of Bach's cantatas from the Neue Bach Ausgabe here, so I'm just going to flip to a random page and play the first line that I see. Now, you might have been able to hear there a difference between the loudness of certain notes. I suppose you could say that that's my interpretation, my human touch. But if I touch this one button, we'll hear all the same music, the same passage, but now with all the variations in loudness removed. The timing will still remain exactly the same, but all the notes will be exactly the same loudness. Mm -hmm. 
Now that for me is the worst form of a MIDI file. It's human, but it's been tampered with, so it's somewhat human, somewhat computer. You can hear the uneven lengths, but you can't hear any context given by the variations in loudness, by the phrasing, we might say. All the phrasing has been partially removed. So let's abandon this semi-human MIDI, and now I'll click in the same line, note by note. I assume. Now I've told you that MIDI doesn't contain the information for which sound should be heard. So indeed I have chosen the sound that you've just heard, but I can very simply choose a new sound. Or now with both sounds. Or now I can drag the pitches up. Or down. Now when I clicked this music into a grid, the music in the computer was set to 120 beats Per minute. That's two clicks a second, so now I'm going to set it to 240. It'll be twice as fast. And now to 60 beats per minute, one click a second, that will be twice as slow. And I can also do wild tricks with the MIDI, such as reverse the order of the notes, akin to now reading music from right to left. Or I can turn everything upside down. Now you've all heard that in the episodes dealing with the mirror fugues from the Art of Fugue from the first season. Actually, this is all sounding quite familiar, because the first so-called bonus episode I did back on March 15th, 2020, I played the first fugue from the Art of Fugue in 11 different ways, some of which included certain voices completely absent. And this is a technique very easily executed with MIDI. Simply click a voice and it's removed. Now, in addition to MIDI, I also like to use a technique called panning. That's where you determine in which speaker the sound will go, such as the sound of my voice. I'm going to move it from this speaker, and now I'm going to move it into this speaker. Now, in fact, I recorded an entire album, the so-called Organ Sonatas of Bach, among the very best examples of his three-voice counterpoint, where each voice appears in a different area of the speakers. One upper voice is in the left speaker, one in the right, and the bass is in both speakers. If you haven't heard that, listen to it. It's on Spotify, the J.S. Bach organ sonatas under my name, under my legal name, that is. And you can also do this with MIDI, just as I've done so many times on this podcast. So here is the same line from that cantata with every note altering between speakers.
now here's the same line in one speaker with its complementary bass line in another speaker. And this will help you isolate the two different parts of this counterpoint. And by combining these techniques, the panning, the speeding up, the altering in pitch, we can really dissect Bach in a way that I think is pretty unique to computers. Here is Bach's famous C major prelude played at the speed about which you know. And now, well, why not? Let's hear it at a superhuman speed. do for us. If played so fast, if we listen to music that fast, faster than we could possibly play it, we, with our much shorter attention spans, can grasp the overarching structure much better. And if there's usually something that's heard quite fast, we can slow it down and savor it. Changing pitch too can be very interesting. Some of us might not respond to certain music if it's high or if it's low, but if we pitch it up or pitch it down, maybe it resonates with us better. I, who have perfect pitch, Changing the pitch breaks up my perfect pitch and therefore decontextualizes the key in which I hear it. It's like being able to practice modulating from your seat. Now, one of the greatest experiences with Bach is to actually be part of a choir, singing one of his cantatas or major vocal works. And in this way, you have intimate hands-on experiences with one part out of many. And to your left, you hear people singing other parts, and to the right, you hear still more. If you've played in an orchestra, for example, you're very familiar with the brass belting out from behind you. But from the public, it's not so fun. It may even sound like chaos. But with MIDI, we can really get inside that music with just a computer. For example, it's hard to find a recording of the Sanctus from the B minor mass with just the vocal parts. But with MIDI, we simply download the entire file of the mass in B minor, then mute all the instruments, and boom, we get an inside glance into the construction, just the vocal parts. I like to think of it as being able to look at a great painting, like a da Vinci or something, and say, okay, now remove every time he dipped the brush in blue. And it can help us appreciate the pieces we already know even more. I'm sure many of you know the Goldberg Variations as played by Glenn Gould. If you haven't, simply look up Glenn Gould, 1955, and take 30 minutes of your life for something which you won't be able to forget. Even so, one thing we can't hear in any piano rendition is the two keyboards that is so important to this piece. 
Several of these variations were written for the left hand to play on one keyboard and the right hand on another, and each keyboard sounds different from the other. Hence, the interplay of the voices highlights this difference between the two keyboards. They play off each other like cosmic dots of joy. Yet, even with the proper double manual harpsichord for which this piece was written, the difference is very subtle. And unless we're familiar with the sound of the harpsichord, or we know the music intimately, or are playing it ourselves, or perhaps standing very close to the instrument, it's not so direct as this experience right here. to get something like that without a computer, we would have to put two different instruments in different opposite corners of the room to have that much clarity between the voices. Now you may be saying, I do read music, so why would I use a computer to get into Bach rather than just going into the score myself with my own instrument? Well, personally, I've had trouble understanding some pieces of Bach. I suppose what that means for me, what understanding means for me, is that every single note in Bach has a purpose and leads to the next from the former. The former couldn't exist without the latter, nor could the latter exist without the former. It's the most masterful construction of, well, I think anything, of words, of colors, of numbers. Bach for me is the greatest genius of all time. And there are times when I hear a piece played and if I don't know the piece inside and out, I might not get a spot. I might not understand how one note led to the next. Maybe it was the chair I was sitting in. Maybe it was an interpretation that didn't make sense to me. Maybe I just need to hear it again. In any case, if I myself can't understand that original blueprint that Bach put down, I can listen to the MIDI. And there, if I don't understand that, if I don't understand the construction, I know the lack of understanding is with me because it's certainly not with Bach. So I can take the MIDI. I speed it up. I slow it down. I change instruments until I understand it. And I give you my word that there is not one piece that I have come across that upon further examination and repeated hearings, upon dissection, that it doesn't suddenly strike me as masterful, full of sense, full of logic and beauty. I really committed to this idea of learning with MIDI because until I was about 27 or 28 years old, I really never liked, I have to admit, the sonatas for violin and harpsichord, BWVs 1014 to 1019. Several violinists had invited me to play them, but every time, even right there, being in the middle of the music, I felt a little bit bewildered. Perhaps in the case of other composers, this might be a sign of not the greatest pieces. But with Bach, this is certainly the conclusion that a naive musician would draw, not Bach's best pieces. But the wise musician would think, this music must be over my head. So one day I thought, you know, these must be masterpieces and I need to know them. So I downloaded the simple MIDI reader onto my phone. And there on my phone, I listened to the pieces 
in their individual parts by panning certain voices, changing the sounds, speeding them up, slowing them down, dropping the pitch, raising the pitch, and before long, there wasn't one measure of these six sonatas that wasn't resounding in my ears with absolute joy. I, without even looking once at the score, was able to tell where the mistakes were. Yes, in the particular MIDI files, because people do make mistakes when creating the MIDI files. Again, a human had to create this file. Which brings me to the final point. If you don't play an instrument, or don't play an instrument well enough to play Bach, you can still learn his music. If you have music software, you can download thousands of Bach MIDI files and simply drag them into the software and get into the music yourself. Even if you don't have music software, you can search online for online MIDI players and then upload a MIDI file to that website and hear the music played in this way. I would even say that if you're fully acquainted with Bach, you should do this anyhow, because there will be something in the way that a computer reads music that will yet reveal details of Bach you hadn't paid attention to. Let's call the computer musical unbias. And now I'd like to put some links to MIDI files in the episode description, but I warn you, as I said, certain MIDI files have mistakes. Many MIDI files are simply no good. After all, one either has to be a sort of skilled musician when creating a Bach MIDI file, or one has to simply be completely meticulous about its input. In fact, I will link to an interesting essay on the art of creating MIDI files. So just be careful as you would with any information about Bach, even if it's a biography from a certain famous Bach performer, do your own research. I haven't gone into these MIDI files myself that I'm linking to, so yes, I assume that most of it can help you get into Bach, but there you have my disclaimer. In any case, I hope you've come to the realization that computers can aid us in our quest to understand Bach. And for us, this is extremely exciting, as we've never been in this historic position before. From the power of one's desk, we can become intimately familiar with the sound of all the interplay of all these parts in the greatest sound musician that ever lived. And some of you maybe already have understood this from the podcast, but if others of you were confused, perhaps this clarifies a few things. I feel that in the next episode, I should take a few classic Bach pieces, the hits, and put them into MIDI files with a few simple MIDI operations, and maybe you'll start to hear this music in a unique way. Thanks for listening. Wow, that's fabulous. You are listening to the WTF Bach Podcast, presented by Evan Schaefer.